strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! The weather is changing, is it not? Football weather is coming. Tick tock. I mean, we're talking from the big heat to haboobs to blowing mud and monsoons now. And then, boom, before you know it, like a bolt of lightning, it's going to be football season. And that's why we're here 52 weeks a year, are we not? On the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, and an upgrade, a big upgrade on the Big Red Rage, especially when he's not here to defend himself. No Ron Wolfley, who's on his summer sabbatical. Instead, we are pleased to welcome Rob Fredrickson, former Cardinal and former first-round pick to the Big Red Rage. Rob, how you doing? And, and did you survive the low visibility driving in? <laughs> How can I be anything other than fantastic? I get to co-host the Big Red Rage <laughs> with Paulie Pigskin, and, and I'm good, Paul. Yeah, good thing the lie detector is not up, <laughs> so for your own sake over there. So, uh, man, this is going to be a good one. We got AQ Shipley coming up. So you say you might have a question mark at center. Who better to ask than Rodney Hudson himself? You know what? How about AQ Shipley, the longtime center, former Cardinal, Recently retired. Back in the AZ, I believe. And AQ is going to join us in a little while here on this edition of the Big Red Rage. And speaking of low visibility, Rob, I mean, think about it. I've been half joking all week, last couple weeks, that HBO Hard Knocks might have picked the wrong half of the season to feature. If you're looking for true reality TV and you're looking for drama and storylines, I mean, you want low visibility. How about when the Cardinals report to camp? Uh, Do we have any clarity on the Kyler contract situation? The center and Rodney Hudson. How about cornerback after the tragic death of Jeff Gladney? Edge rusher, are the Cardinals set there or not? Middle linebacker, Zavin Collins. I mean, no D-op for the first six games. Rob, where do you start and how many question marks are out there? I mean, where where does your attention go to off the top? Yeah, certainly a lot of storylines this offseason for the Arizona Cardinals, Paulie. And you talk about visibility, um, the the biggest cloud, the biggest haboob out there right now for me uh, is really still the Kyler Murray situation. And then on top of that, uh, recently, the Rodney Hudson uh, situation. So th- for me, th- those are the two biggest things kind of h- hanging over this team. Obviously, you you got DeAndre Hopkins out for six games. That's going to be an issue. What's the offense going to look like the first six games of the season? What's it going to look like when he comes back? Uh, and you mentioned uh, the, the question marks at, at, on defense, just the edge rush. So somebody somebody out there opposite of, of Marcus Golden, who's going to provide that that consistent pass rush? And, and what are the inside linebackers? I'll, I'll put Isaiah Simmons in there, too, with, uh, with Zayvon Collins. How are those two going to look 
when they fully have the reins this year for this Arizona Cardinals defense. Yeah, we'll get in depth in the linebacker question, especially since you know this that front seven is an area of expertise for you. So we'll get into that a, a little bit later. Do you expect a time time sign? What do you think at this point? Do you think at one of those positions you just listed, there is a need to bring in a proven veteran, and there's going to be someone, especially now with $10 million in available cap space, supposedly after Jordan Phillips, the June 1st, that kicked in. So do you think Steve Kime goes into action? I think he's always looking. He's always looking um, to, to, to improve uh, the roster. Um, I've always said that you, you can never have enough offensive tackles. You can never have enough defensive cornerbacks. Uh, and and those are two positions I think where um, especially the at cornerback I think I think the Arizona Cardinals are always looking to upgrade and and to and to bring in additional bodies just to the roster. But I wouldn't be surprised, Paulie, and, and we can get into this later in a future segment. But I wouldn't be surprised uh, surprised if we bring in some help in the interior defensive tackle position to mm-hmm. really really uh, to help out those inside linebackers. Yeah, I told Kyle Vandenbosch on the Red Sea Report this week. You know what? It's your it's your job right now, big guy. Your former teammate in Dominic and Sue with Detroit. You got to make that call. You got to make that happen. Get him in here on a one year deal, and Dominic and Sue at defensive tackle. I think everybody would welcome that. But you wonder: is all this being held up, perhaps potentially a time time sign of any sort, until they nail down the numbers on a Kyler Murray contract extension? Because it has been the offseason of Kyler in so many ways, and Justin Pugh was on the Dave Pash podcast recently. In fact, it's the latest Dave Pash podcast, and you can download that wherever you get your podcasts. He had some great insights on Kyler, and uh, you know, including hit zoom out what Kyler's just done for the franchise in his three years. Kyler's in his third year in the NFL, and when I was in New York, Eli Manning was not a vocal leader. He was the first one in. He was the last one out. He did everything right. Kyler comes in and he does everything we asked him to do. I was here four years ago and we didn't have Kyler Murray. You, you, oh, so you remember, was I. You remember that team? I've seen, I've seen a lot of uh, quarterbacks the, come through this door, Justin, in 21 years. We had the worst <laughs> offense in, I think, NFL history. <laughs> so when Kyler got here, a light went back on. Yeah. A relevance came back on. We started playing primetime games again. Yeah. We've been in the playoffs. We've been relevant. Our fan base has something to look forward to every year. There's something to be said about that. Yeah, Justin P was in line right there. In 2018, with Josh Rosen and company, Sam Bradford, that offense wasn't just bad. It was historically bad. So if you're saying, okay, you can't put a price on relevance and the Cardinals' primetime games, et cetera, this year, okay, well, that's what Team Kyler's trying to do. They're trying to put a number to that sort of relevance, and you got to wonder exactly when it's going to happen. I mean, Rob, it's going to happen, right? The contract extension is just a matter of when and how much. Oh, it has to. I, I don't see a scenario where it doesn't happen uh, because that, that would be apocalypse now. That, that, that certainly would, would uh, be devastating to this organization in this season. Um, so, I, I, yeah, of course, Paul, it, it's going to happen. It has to happen, and it can happen. There's no reason it can't. Um, you just look to the West a little bit for, for us for the, at the uh, L.A. Rams and what they've done this offseason. Uh, if, if you want to get this done, it can, it can get done. Because, you know, Dan Orlovsky can put out these lists all he wants, like he did earlier this week, top five quarterbacks, 25 or younger. And number one was Joe Burrow, number two was Lamar Jackson, number three, Justin Herbert. Okay. Number four, Trevor Lawrence, number five, Mac Jones. He did not include Kyler Murray. Now, look, maybe if you put Kyler on this list, nobody really pays attention to the list because it's kind of predictable. But you can't tell me there's one defensive coordinator out there, Rob, who would rather game plan against Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones 
versus Kyler Murray. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's garbage. That's clickbait. Um, look, Kyler Murray, there's there's one, maybe two other quarterbacks in this league that have the, the similar skill sets as him, and and he's probably the best of those three in terms of just a combination of arm strength and arm talent, and the ability to run with the football. So. Um, Kyler is a unique breed, and he's he's in rarefied air. So you know, th- th- those guys don't come around every draft class every year. They just don't. Um, and and if you have one, you got to keep them. Uh, you don't let franchise quarterbacks. You don't let quarterbacks of that talent um, even sniff free agency. And I don't. Th- the Cardinals won't do that. We're we're just kind of speculating here, but um, it's going to happen. You know, and and Kyler certainly is is a top top five quarterback under 25 years old. In fact, they also put on another list today, just the most games with 65-plus percent completion percentage last season. Mac Jones was actually number one with 13. And then in the second slot, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. But to your point, who's the guy who can maybe be the best athlete on the field out of that group? So, And then there's other analytics that say Kyler Murray threw the best deep ball, the most accurate deep ball last year okay but that still begs the question what happened at the end of last year to the cardinals offense including kyler and zach Ertz. in another moment on the dave pash podcast gave his theory as to what plagued the offense down the stretch we were just such a better team on first and second down earlier in the season than we were at the end of the season and then the season we're freaking facing second and 15s third and 12s and it's just so hard as an nfl team to face that consistently and put points on the board. And then, Rob, listen to Justin Pugh. He gave his theory to Dave Pash on the podcast about the Cardinals for the second straight year fading down the stretch. We have to be better in the biggest situations. We have to do all the little things right because that is what loses you those big games. We were able to get by a lot of times last year just being more talented than everyone we were on the field with. When you get late in the season, guys are dinged up. You're not as healthy as you want to be. It's the little plays. It's doing the little things right where no one even knows you're supposed to make that block or you're supposed to you know, make that check, things like that. That's what wins those games, and that's where we have to get better. And if we don't take those steps, it's going to be the same result. If the majority of NFL games are decided by a touchdown or less, and that is the stat over the last 15, 20 years, are you a believer that those little things and lacking attention thereof down the stretch can cost you those games? Those little things are huge, Paul. Um, how many times did did we sit there and watch and and see false start after false start, um, and, and all of a sudden it's it's second and twenty. Um, you know, I I think Zach Ertz is right. It, it they got into some situations where um, they're just behind the sticks, and it's just hard to convert those first downs, and it's hard to get any momentum going when you're going the opposite direction. Um, I, yeah, and I think you know, I think this offense became predictable. The second half of the season, it really did. It, it, it Cliff Kingsbury has done a great job of in the off season coming up with with unique plays, unique game plans, and really taking this league by storm early in the season. But you know, we we have to. I think we have to evolve. We have to evolve this offense continuously, and and you know, put defenses on the heels. Whereas I think it was the second half of last season and the season before. A lot of times this offense was on their heels, and they were they were really taking the body blows. Yeah, and a lot of it had to do with the run game or lack thereof down the stretch, not setting the tone, the inability to really establish that ground game. You heard some, some comments from players that, you know, the objective and focus this year on offense try to be – yeah, trying to be a little less predictable in terms of run or pass, hence the emphasis on tight ends, hence the second-round pick of a Trey McBride, who's a dual tight end. So 
you can see maybe how they self-scouted and some of the adjustments that might be coming down the pike here as you get into August. Hey, episode 32 of the Dave Pash Podcast featuring Justin Pugh. Also, Zach Ertz is up there. It's wherever you get your podcast. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. A.Q. Shipley, former Cardinals center, over a decade in the NFL. You got questions about the quarterback of the offensive line and where this might be tracking. Oh, we need answers from A.Q. next. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Under center as Palmer takes, hands it off. Ellington straight ahead, stood up at the one, trying to fall forward to get into the end zone, and he scores a touchdown for Andre Ellington as the Cardinals extend their lead to 13-3. Oh, I love it. A.Q. Shipley. That was a great job by A.Q. Shipley at the point of attack. Yeah, Shipley drilled the linebacker. That is football, and that is just a precursor of our next guest here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Rob Fredrickson in for Ron Wolfley, and it's a good thing, AQ, that Wolf isn't here because he'd probably cite your brief career as a fullback in the NFL, and he'd go into his whole fullback club stuff and all that malarkey. How you doing, AQ? I'm doing great. Yeah, I mean, we'd be talking for hours about fullback plays. So I'm glad we're not doing that. <laughs> I saw recently on a podcast, you're still a little sore. You, you were wide open on a pass route out of the backfield once upon a time, and Carson just flat ignored you. Is that, that You're still a little raw about that. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll remind Carson of that until the day I die. I mean, that was uh, – I, I just don't understand that I was wide open. I don't understand it. I still don't. <laughs> That's right. All right, here's my first question, Rob. I'll go first with my first legitimate right. question, sort of. Have you been contacted by Steve Kime? Are you still in shape, A.Q. Shipley, with the uncertainty around Rodney Hudson? I uh, have not. I'm in great shape. I just uh, – my days are over. My days are over, Paul. I wish I wish I still had something in me, but I don't. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting deal. I don't know I don't know what's going on with Rodney. Um, but, I mean, I've obviously read a little bit about it, and center's a big position, so it'll be interesting to kind of see the way this whole thing shakes out. AQ, I got you know. Assuming Rodney Hudson, let's just let's just assume the worst. Let's assume that he's not in the immediate picture. How difficult is it for an offensive lineman, say a guard, to move over there and play center? How how difficult of a transition is that? I, you know, I imagine going from center to guard is a little easier, but how difficult is it for an offensive lineman who's who's really not had a lot of experience playing center to make that move? I say this all the time, and you know, my little brief career coaching last year, I, I sat there and I had these conversations with with scouts, with other coaches, and you know, it was always kind of like the running joke of like, you know, I, I think people look at it so often, like the center's uncovered in the four three scheme, and oh, he doesn't have to block somebody on every play. So it's like anytime in my last you know couple of years where I saw like a coach be like oh I don't know if he can make it as a guard maybe we'll try him at center I'm like wait wait hold on like we think it's gonna be easier to play center so um you know that was it was always kind of interesting to me because I think it's it's so funny to me to sit there and think that it, it's going to be easier when you got one hand between your legs you got to make all the all the mental calls you got to get everybody on the right page sometimes you know if the quarterback's got his plate full with knowing all the pass game stuff now you're in charge of all the run checks and you know there's so many different nuances that the center has to be able to help out not only amongst the offensive line but amongst the whole group and so you know it, it, it's, it's definitely a difficult thing you know you hope you hope that the guy can make the transition but it all comes down to 
you know, just being comfortable. And when you've never really had your hand between your legs trying to block, you know, Vita Vea weighing 380, right? And, right. you know, you had to make all the calls beforehand and this, that, and the other. I mean, until somebody's done that, I don't, I don't think it's uh, as easy as some people may think. Well, I think Justin Pugh has the utmost respect for the position just based on a few of the reps he took in the offseason because listen to him talking about uh, potentially playing center this year on the Dave Pash podcast, Justin Pugh. I've never played center before in my career, but I've seen guys play center late into their careers. Center mentally is just is so much tougher. And in our offense, the center makes a lot of the calls. That's why we prioritize that position every offseason. You've seen we had A.Q. Shipley, then Mason Cole, then went out and got Rodney Hudson. We clearly value that position. So to get some reps at center and see how that shakes out, it's interesting. It's fun. It, it makes you break a mental sweat. And look, you played with Justin Pugh. I think we can all agree he's a high IQ guy, football and otherwise. So yeah, I am a little shocked to hear him say that, IQ. I, I really am. I mean, a guy who's got a decade in the league, for him to say it's such a mental challenge to play center, what makes it so tough? You know, it's funny. I got a text from Justin right after, right after that minicamp. You know, him and I are still really good friends. And, you know, he was like, hey, this thing is uh, a little harder than maybe I thought it once, right? So, um, you know, I, th- I guess to answer that question, right, like I think the, the biggest thing is until you're actually out there with live bullets flying, with live reps going, and, you know, you're out there and all of a sudden they're switching from a two, they're disguising a two high to a one high, and now they're rolling back, rocking down on the weak side, and you got to change the call and then set hot ball snapped, right? you don't realize it when you're sitting there drawing it up on paper. You're like, Oh yeah, I got this. I got this. But then when you actually see it in live action and how quick these things are happening and how disguises and you get up and you think this guy's the mic. And then, you know, you go on the double count and then all of a sudden this guy rocks down weak and they're coming with will free safety and we got to get the thing switched immediately. And maybe the quarterback doesn't see it. So now he's already rolling into his cadence. It's, I mean, it's, it ends up becoming, you know, quite an interesting situation. And I think those are the biggest things, right? I think you can sit there in a classroom and you can understand it to the fullest extent, but then you get out there in a walkthrough and you're like, oh, yeah, this, is, this isn't so bad. And then you get out there and now it's a live situation and it's a, it's a whole different scenario because you just got to see so many different things so fast. It happens so fast. So I think that's the biggest thing mentally. Yeah. AQ, we were talking last segment about the Cardinals last season, the second half of the season, and how they, they kind of sputtered going down the end. Um, when it, Just any offense in general, when, when that happens, when, when just things aren't clicking, they're just, it, everything seems to be stale, nothing seems to be working, what, what needs to be done? Is it, is it as simple as, as one play, one big play in one game, or is it, is it a mindset? Um, is, is it schematic? What, what is one thing that can really turn around uh, the fortunes of a team and, and get them off of that, that losing streak or kind of the, out of that funk? You know, it's, that, that's a great question. I, mean, I think it's probably a combination of a couple different things, right? But I think if you have an identity and you can kind of rely on that identity when things start to go south, Let's say it's let's say you, your identity is your run game, and now things whatever you, something happened, and now you start you start to look back and you self scout a little bit. And now we really haven't been hammering the run game, and you got a veteran group up front. Even if you can just kind of control the clock and rely and just kind of just lean on that run game a little bit more, or vice versa, right? Maybe it's your passing game, maybe it's your quick game, maybe it's your RPO game, whatever it is, right? right. If you can have that identity, I think, and then you get some veteran guys that are just like, hey guys, everybody's just got to do their job and kind of make a play 
and like I said, go back to lean on that identity just a tad more maybe than you have. Um, you know, obviously offenses evolve throughout the season, but if we can just kind of find that one bread and butter, right, that we can kind of just lean on that just a little bit more. And now you got the veteran guys in the locker room pulling all the younger guys up. Hey, guys, everybody do your job. Everybody, you know, one guy, just make one play. One play will lead to two plays. Two plays will lead to three. And then that, that might be the difference to kind of get you off that skid. But, you know, it, 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 it's, that's the whole psychological aspect of, of any professional sports, right? Like who knows why any of these things happen, but it, you, you do got to hope that your veteran leadership and kind of some of the things that you can lean on with your identity can kind of pull you through. Yeah, with B.A., it was 22 and 23 double, right? That run play, you guys yeah. would always go back to and basically tell a defense, here it comes, see if you can stop it, right? So No, no question. Yeah. A.Q. Shipley is our guest, former Cardinals center. You mentioned culture and leadership. So let me ask about Kyler Murray. You were with him his rookie year. You went to Tampa. You won a ring. I've heard it said about a Buccaneers team that, what, went 12 straight years without even making the playoffs? Tom Brady shows up. You guys win the Lombardi Trophy. I've heard it said that Tom Brady was the culture of the Bucks. In your opinion and from your experience, how vital is that for any franchise quarterback to be that guy and the culture in the locker room, per se? You see it, you know, time and time again, I mean, in any sport, right? I mean, I don't – I don't think anybody can sit here and say that the Golden State Warriors were the best team, but there's a guy named Steph Curry that kind of just brought everybody's play up around him, right? And that team just kind of took off, right? And you could say that with any professional sports team, and that 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 obviously goes back to the guy in any to- on any team, right? And most of the time, that's that quarterback, right? So it is everything. Kyler's phenomenal. He's grown as a player year in and year out since I've left, and you know he's obviously you know, taking that next step as a, as a player and as a leader. And so, you know, I think the next step for him is just kind of just really being able to grab everybody around him, whether it's you just need one play and whatever it is, and everybody's going to, you know, just look to him. And that's what it comes down to. And down in Tampa, I've never seen anything like it with Tom. I mean, it was unbelievable what he was able to do, what he was able to bring to that locker room, what he was able to bring to that team. And, just the focus right I mean nobody wanted to let him down just the way that he carried himself the way that he held everybody else accountable so when you have a guy like that you don't want to let him down when it means so much when you watch what it means to him every second of every day when it's Sunday morning you got a one o'clock game and he's grabbing the skill guys and meeting with them in the back room going over you know four and five final you know details that maybe he thought of the night before and you know, all those things, everybody wants to just go out and just do a little bit more. And when everybody else wants to do a little bit more, and the guy that you're counting on is already doing that, he brings everybody else up. And that, that's kind of what Tom was able to do. And hopefully Kyler can get to that. And, I mean, yeah, he's obviously continued to grow year after year. And, you know, he's, that, that's going to be the next step for him to take this group to the next level. Oh, that's great, AQ. Hey, you know, you were a fan favorite when you were playing here for the Cardinals. Um I think they all want to know. I want to know what's what's keeping you busy now. Uh, football aside, what what's what's kind of keeping you busy? What what are you doing? Where are you at right now? Yeah, so we 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 loved our time here in Arizona. We made we made it full time. We live in Arcadia. Um, love it out here. I mean, just love everything about it. Um, just had our third kid. Um, finally got a boy. So I got a four year old and a two year old girl, and then we got a eight week old boy. Um, and you know, last year I gave coaching a try and thought that was kind of going to be my, my ticket. And I was I'm so grateful for Bruce Arians and that whole group kind of giving me that opportunity to 
step from playing right into coaching, which not many people get that opportunity. And I loved every second of it. It's just I, I had a hard time fathoming the fact that I wasn't seeing my kids. And so um, we had bought a house here when I played for the Cardinals and right before I signed with Tampa. And so, you know, after talking over with my wife, we decided to come back here, make home here, and just kind of figure it out. I don't know what's next, but for right now, I've just kind of been enjoying playing dad and um, developed a really good relationship with the backup center for the Buccaneers. His name is Robert Hainsey. We drafted him out of Notre Dame uh, last year, and he came out and worked out with me for four or five weeks. So I trained him for five weeks in the spring, and then I got him again right now leading up into training camp. So that's what's kind of keeping me busy um, right now and then kind of figure it out from there. What about as a hard rock fan? Are you working in mosh pits or are you still going to concerts, AQ? I love my concerts. Yeah, I stay away from the mosh pits. It's funny. I, I, stay, I, stay, I literally post up in the back right corner of any venue I go to, just kind of stay away from all the all the action. I had enough uh, contact in my day. So yeah, just well, enjoy the music and get out of the house, get away from three screaming kids every once in a while. Stay away from the pickleball, too. You know, Fitz and Drew Stan, those guys are killers on the pickleball court, okay? Hey, Drew's trying to get me in every every once in a while. He always wants to go at 5 a.m. I'm like, all right, if we can, if I need a little bit of sleep, if we can push this back a little bit, I'll go with that. <laughs> That's right. AQ, man, we really enjoyed it. Great insight. Thanks, and great to hear you're back in the AZ, man. Congrats to you and the family. Hey, I appreciate it. Hope to see you guys. Absolutely. AQ Shipley, former Cardinal Center. I mean, it's interesting stuff, Rob, about what he said yeah. per the center position. And Man, that is huge, the future of Rodney Hudson. And if not Rodney Hudson, then who? And how feasible is it if Justin Pugh is the guy? We'll kick that around. And then your area of expertise, linebacker, I want to hear what you have to say about Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins when we continue. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Second and 11 under center is Prescott. He takes, drops back to throw in trouble. Steps up, and he gets away from a Cardinal. Runs forward, fumble the ball at the 40, and the Cardinals jump on it at the 44-yard line. Dak coughed it up, and it's recovered by Arizona. Dennis Gardeck has the ball. Isaiah Simmons popped it out, recovered by Gardeck. A huge play by Isaiah Simmons, who came on the blitz and then missed the tackle attempt, but continued to follow Dak Prescott downfield and punch the pig out. What a play by number nine. The athleticism is undeniable. Even Jordan Hicks last year said he. there were times he would look at Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins in the linebacker room and just say, man, we got a couple of unicorns right here. The question is, what position are Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons going to play this year? Maybe Rob Fredrickson going to help us out with that, filling in for Ron Wolfley here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Special thanks, Rob, to AQ Shipley, former Cardinal center. Some great insights on center, on Kyler, on Tom Brady. I loved how he cited 380-pound Vita Vea. Yeah. You forget about that. Some yeah. of the dudes at <laughs> nose tackle that centers have to go against. I mean, he, he he said, you know, when you're playing center and you're playing against a four three defense, you don't have anyone directly on you. If I'm playing center, I'm praying for that, man. I don't want Vita Vea right on right. my right two inches from my helmet at oh, the snap, man. No way. All right, so we know that position is a mental challenge. Uh, what about this whole 
future of Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, the last two first-round picks. We saw Isaiah Simmons working more with the safeties during the open media portions of off-season work. And then Zayvon Collins, we don't know exactly whether he's going to be the Mike linebacker calling this defense. Just give us a sense as to, to what's realistic, Rob, considering that Zayvon Collins in particular didn't get a lot of snaps at Mike linebacker last year. I mean, where should he be? Where can he be in time for the season opener against KC? Well, you know, I, I think Vance Joseph and, the, and these defensive coaches—they're—they're gonna—they're gonna put the best players out there that give them the best opportunity to be successful as a defense. Um, and yeah, and you saw that last year. You saw it the year before with Isaiah Simmons. It, it, you know, if if they're not ready, uh, Zayvon Collins last year. If they're, if they're not ready, or if they're injured, you can't play. You can't put them out there. You can't play them in that middle linebacker uh, area and that in that alignment because. You know, like Rodney Hudson is is that valuable to the offense. He's basically the the quarterback of the offensive line, calling the protections, calling um, the the run blocks, and and where everyone needs to be lined up. Um, the middle linebacker does that for the defense. He's calling the coverages. He's calling any changes based on motions and and shifts. The middle linebacker has to be so plugged in to what's happening pre snap, um, and then post snap, obviously. Um, that that there's no absolute zero room for mental errors. And when you have young guys, Isaiah Simmons um, really didn't play a lot of linebacker in Clemson. He was more kind of a slot corner and, and a deep safety. Um, but he, he did have some, some opportunities where he was up closer to the line of scrimmage. But then you try to put him into that middle linebacker or, or inside, outside, um, um, inside kind of weak side linebacker position, it's a different animal. And I think it was a different animal for Zayvon Collins last year. And, and I'll, I'll give them that learning curve. I'll give them that year. But um, your number one draft picks on defense have to be solid starters. They have to be solid contributors. Um, and they need to be playing, quite honestly, 75 to 80-plus percent of the uh, defensive snaps for the entire season. Was Vance Joseph asked recently about his pair of young inside linebackers? Yes, he was. And here's what the defensive coordinator had to say about Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. It's their time. You know, Isaiah's going into his third year. Zayvon's going into his second year. They're first-round picks. They have to help us, you know, and um, it's heading that way. You know, I've been proud of Zayvon, how much time he's put in. Isaiah's always been a good worker. You know, it's, it's the next step for him. Obviously, watching him last year, he made plays, you know, but now he has to make consistent plays and not give up plays. You know, that's that's his next challenge. And for Zayvon to stand healthy and, and keep learning, but both guys are physically gifted, you know, so we have to get those guys ready to play because we need them. See, Wolf and I argued about this a little bit, and, and you can go ahead and you tell me if I'm off base. For me, if both guys are on the field, I'm good with that. I don't necessarily need Zayvon Collins to be the quarterback of the defense and calling the plays and making the checks. And I don't necessarily need Isaiah Simmons to be the weak side inside linebacker. I just need those guys on the field, two of the 11, and being able to go sideline to sideline using their size and athleticism to make plays. What's your take on that? You know, I, I, I agree with you with Isaiah. I think it's a little easier to find a position for him if it's not that, that weak side inside linebacker because he has played so many multiple positions in college. Um, he, he can easily transition to, to something else. Um, the, the difference is Zayvon uh, Collins. I'm not really sure where to put him if it's not that middle linebacker position. I don't necessarily see him as an outside pass rush guy. So if it's not that... I, I really don't know where you would put him. Now, 
uh, there there are some capable linebackers uh, in the in that room. I, I, picking up Nick Vigil, I think I think that was a great pickup. Dennis Gardak coming off that knee surgery the year before, um, coming off uh, last season. Um, you know, Tanner Vallejo has been very effective when he's gotten opportunities to get in there and get reps, and and you have Zeke Turner as well. So there's some other players that that can play those inside linebacker positions. I still think. Uh, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons can do it and can do it very well. And that's kind of going back to my uh, one of my opening statements on the show, Paulie, when I said I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're starting to, you know, time time looking at some defensive tackle help. The more you can keep those offensive linemen off of those linebackers and allow them to be free runners and use their athleticism, man, that's a great defense. You know, that that, that is what a, a great defense really needs. You know, you hear about um, – you know, Tony Saragusa, uh, rest in peace, yesterday. Um, what he did for Ray Lewis and that, that Baltimore Ravens defense, mm. yeah. man. I mean, yeah. th- you can't, you can't, you know, understate that. Uh, you can't overstate that. It, it really it is the one of the most important positions is to have those interior defensive linemen stout and chewing up those offensive linemen and allowing athletic linebackers like we have, allowing them free reign to run. Hey, think about, we just talked about Tampa with A.Q. Shipley. Think about their Super Bowl winning season two years ago and those yep. two inside linebackers just flying around, especially in the playoffs. So you had guys like Vita Vea and Endomic and Sue keeping offensive linemen off those two inside backers, and they flew around, and you can't tell me that's not one of the reasons the Arizona Cardinals took an Isaiah Simmons and a Zayvon Collins, right? If it's a copycat league, you saw what a Devin White and company did for Tampa and that defense. Now, Zayvon Collins, obviously the challenge here is mentally, and he was pretty honest with the media and said, yes, it has been a process. Obviously, you know, last year didn't go as, you know, everyone would want, but that's that's part of life. Um, just learning from those mistakes, applying them to now, and trying to get better, which I have. I think that I've done a really good job in some of the areas that I've messed up as far as, like, you know, mental errors or, you know, stuff like that. I, I just wonder, okay, we're going to get to the regular. He's not going to see very much in the preseason in terms of advanced schemes. Nobody's showing anything offensively. Are those reps going to be valuable? Sure, but only to a certain degree. So he's not truly going to be playing NFL football until week one. How risky is it to put him out there, a Mike linebacker? To what degree do you think Vance Joseph is willing to let his young middle linebacker learn on the job? Because I haven't seen much appetite for that from Vance. I, you know, a guy like Zavin Collins, what he really needs – he needs reps. Uh, I, I think Isaiah Simmons does too, especially if they're going to try to play them at those inside linebacker positions. They need reps, and so they need all the preseason reps they can get. Um, you're right. It's going to be rather vanilla. There's not going to be a lot of exotic uh, formations and, and shifts and motions and, and, and things like that in the preseason. At least you wouldn't expect it. So he's not going to get all those pre-snap you know, change of change of strength, motions, uh, changing the coverages on the fly. He's not going to get a lot of that, I wouldn't think, because they're going to want to keep things vanilla defensively as well in the preseason. But yet, he's going to be able to see things. He's going to be able to distinguish if those offensive linemen are setting up for run or or versus pass. Um, what do what do those blocks look like? What do, what does the flow of the running back look like? He's going to be able to see that. He needs to see as many of those reps as he can so that he can kind of just make that second nature for him, and so he won't really have to think out there. I think that's one of the things that may be kind of slowing these guys down um, in, in terms of their maturation process is, is just over-analyzing, overthinking things 
um, versus just reacting and going and trusting your instincts. Rob Fredrickson in for Ron Wolfley, longtime outside linebacker in the NFL. So give me a quick thought on what where you think the Cardinals are right now at that position. Because a month ago we would have said, okay, you know, before the tragic death of Jeff Gladney and now the Rodney Hudson situation, if there was going to be a time time sign, most likely it would be an edge guy. Where do you think the Cardinals are right now with Marcus Golden and opposite him, a Devon Kennard, a Dennis Gardeck, and then the pair of round three rookies? Yeah, I, I look at these rookies. They're interesting. You know, the Cameron Thomas and, and my G Sanders. Uh, you know, Cameron Thomas, he's, he's got some size to him. And, and, and I think if um, he's got the ability, he was, he was pretty productive in college. So he's got the, he's got the ability to, to really make an impact, I think, early on. And, and my J uh, Sanders, he's got some speed coming off the edge. He's a little raw. Um, I think he's somebody that, that may, might take a little bit more time. But, um, I, you know, I, I kind of think it's going to be, you know, like it was – Two years ago, it's kind of when you know when Chandler Jones went down with the bicep injury, it was it was kind of a it was kind of a, a sack by committee operation, and and you saw what what Dennis Gardeck was able to do back then when he was healthy and kind of caught some people by surprise. Um, you know, you you may see some of that. You you know, Vance Joseph is, is certainly good at at coming up with schemes and finding ways to apply pressure. But anytime you do that, anytime you bring more than four defenders on a pass rush. You're really putting an onus on your secondary, on your linebackers in terms of coverage. And that's where everybody's got to be on the same page and everybody's got to really understand what their roles and responsibilities are. Um, if if uh, those five guys uh, can't get home, it's really putting a lot of pressure on, the, on those back-end guys. And you're right, 2020, Chandler Jones went down week five at the Jets. Cardinals still ended up top five in sacks as a defense. And... You know, Vance Joseph has been there and done that. There were 18 different players who had at least one sack in 2020 for the Arizona Cardinals, and there were a dozen guys who had at least two sacks. Think about that. And Kyle Vandenbosch was on earlier, a guy who made his living rushing the passer, just saying how different all the Cardinals' edge rushers are opposite Marcus Golden, whether it's Devon Kennard or Dennis Gardeck, who's more of a pit bull, the size and power of a Cameron Thomas, long, lean, athletic, my Jay Sanders. So maybe you just keep changing it up on that tackle throughout the course of a game. Hey, a reminder, Cardinals season tickets are available now. Go to azcardinals.com slash season for more info. Hollywood Brown, what can Brown do for you in this offense? We'll talk about that next. It is the Big Red Rage. Rob Fredrickson in from Ron Wolfley, and all presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Fresh set of downs on the OU 25-yard line. Play action, going deep for Hollywood, got it! Goodbye! Touchdown Sooners! 75 yards to one of the fastest guys on the field. Kyler's Heisman campaign to one of his best friends, Hollywood Brown. And yes, Dave Pash was on the call for ESPN. 20 years plus as the voice of the Cardinals. So Dave has been there and done that when it comes to this new combo between Kyler and Hollywood Brown. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Rob Fredrickson, pinch hitting for Ron Wolfley and Rob. It was hard not to notice throughout OTAs. Number one, throwing to number two. And it was just the chemistry they already have when Cliff Kingsbury talks about how they can already make eye contact and make adjustments. Hand signals already exist. I mean, look, we've talked about this. You can go get 
a first-round rookie receiver, and he can be as talented as anything, but there's going to be that learning curve for any rookie receiver, and this is about as plug-and-play as it gets for a brand-new player into your offense. No, it's it's cheating. It's almost cheating. It's like you looking over my shoulder in math class, Polly, and, and trying to you know get my answers. But well, yeah. I'd rather have your Michigan State tutor actually than you, but because we, we we know your tutor did all your homework anyway. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Cal. I'm uh, sorry. Your your academic assistant. I'm sorry. Yeah, my academic yeah. assistant. Yeah, that's so, right. Yes. Look, uh, obviously, the first six games you're going to be without DeAndre Hopkins, and and to have Hollywood Brown and and someone that has the familiarity uh, with Kyler and and just that bond that they've they've had for years uh, at Oklahoma, and for him to, to to for the Cardinals to make that move to bring in Hollywood Brown, knowing. Uh, that this was coming down the pike for DeAndre Hopkins. I think that it was a it was an unbelievable move by the Cardinals and and to pick up a, a talent uh, as young as Hollywood Brown is. Um, and he really, you know, you think about it and look at look at him statistically. He, he doesn't have a lot of wear on those tires. Um, he, he, you know, that's it's it's basically like him coming in and be, and being a rookie all over again. I mean, think about that Baltimore offense, right? Greg Roman's offense. Right. It was it was run first, second, and third. Uh, <laughs> the fourth option was a tight end. The fifth option was Lamar Jackson. The sixth option was a tight end again, and then it was Hollywood Brown, right? I mean, I think that's why the Cardinals feel they can they can still unlock a lot of potential out of Hollywood Brown. In fact, here's Cliff Kingsbury just on Marquise Brown's big playability. He can stretch the defense, there's no doubt, vertically. I mean, he can really roll. He had a bunch of big plays last year. Could have had more, I felt like. And um, that's an aspect, you know, having A.J. Rondell, him, guys that can can stretch the field from all angles is going to be good for us. Because, Rob, you know this. Christian Kirk, okay, he maybe wasn't quite as fast as Hollywood Brown, but he still had wheels. But he wasn't that effective as an outside receiver. He, he was much better in the slot, whereas Hollywood Brown is legit – X receiver in this offense. Yeah, Hollywood's going to be outside. Even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, Hollywood's still going to be outside, and that's really where he belongs. And and you're right to to have a to have a wide receiver that could stretch that field consistently, and and with the with the long throwing ability and accuracy of Kyler Murray, as you talked about earlier, um, to have that that threat there and and consistently have that threat there that's going to open up so many things underneath for deandre hopkins for zach ertz trey mcbride um rondell moore we haven't talked about rondell moore yet but you know finding a role maybe in the slot receiver position for rondell moore i think is really going to help him and this offense tremendously this year Especially if we can believe Sean Jefferson, what he told us a couple months ago on the Big Red Rage and Cliff Kingsbury, that they're definitely going to get Rondell Moore more targets downfield. And I see those two guys pushing each other. I, I see that dynamic, right? Both burners, both sort of similar size, and they're competitive in that way. So I, I think that's a good dynamic. Here's the other thing, too, is you know, Hollywood Brown was always the number one receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. He was the guy who got doubled. He was the guy who got that bracket coverage. Well, when D. Hop comes back, he's going to get a lot of single coverage. Look out. Oh, I, I, this this offense is stacked with, with talent on the, on the outside. Uh, really now, t- talent at the tight end position, running back position. The, the skill positions on this offense, um, it, it's stacked. And so the, the the really I think the the challenge will be finding ways to spread that ball around number one and and, and ensuring that this offense doesn't become predictable. Um, you know, a couple of years ago we became rather predictable going to DeAndre Hopkins on the left side. He, he basically ran three different routes, 
Um, we can't allow that to kind of creep back in to this offense because there are so many talented players. We have to find a way to um, really keep defense on their heels and, and, and really uh, not be predictable, move the ball around, and get it into the hands of your playmakers and let them do their thing. And, you know, we got into that a little bit with uh, Drew Stanton on the Red Sea Report last month and just talked about how the last two seasons down the stretch, the offense bogged down. And, and was it because of a predictability? And he said a couple of things. He said, you know what, when the Cardinals offense bogged down last season, they couldn't run the ball nearly as effective as they did the first half of the season. Absolutely. But then he added about the tight ends and how the tight ends allow you that much more versatility in your play calling and the tight ends won't show your hand as much. Hence the emphasis on that position in the offseason. Well, think about Trey McBride bringing him in as a second-round pick. He won the Mackey Award, Paul, as the nation's best tight end. He's pretty darn good. He can pass block. He can, he can run block, and he can he can get the ball down the field. He can receive. So I'm excited to see what he does. Of course, we know what Zach Ertz can do, and, and hopefully getting Max Williams back from, from his surgery last year. All right. Hey, a reminder, Cardinals single game tickets are available now at azcardinals.com slash tickets to secure your seats today. Special thanks, A.Q. Shipley, uh, former Cardinals center, joining us on this edition. Special thanks, Jim Alejandro, senior broadcast manager and producer, technical director, Cody Fincher. For Rob Fredrickson, who overcame his Michigan State education to do great <laughs> things with his life, filling in for Ron Wolfley. I'm Paul Calvisi. Thanks for joining us on the Big Red Rage. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.